so glad you're here. As Pastor Mario said, I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm not going to preach. I'm off today. That's why I'm, that's why I'm smiling so much. You know, I don't I smile as much when I get up to preach. So I'm glad to just sit back and receive. How many come to receive something? Amen. We've been having a tremendous, tremendous revival. God has been doing great, great things, healings, deliverances, decisions made, lots of amazing things. And don't forget, next Sunday, the 11th, is a big Sunday for us for two reasons. It's Mission Sunday, amen, and water baptism, amen. So we got people getting baptized. If you're a new convert or you've been out of church for a long time and you need to get baptized, just see, just ask for a leader. We've got leaders all over the place. Just say, hey, what do I need to do to get baptized? Uh, and we'll get you on that list. It'll be an exciting time next next week. Amen. And uh, I want I want to just say about Pastor Marshall and Sharice that have been with us. They're good good friends. I haven't known them as long as Pastor Mario has because he was raised in the home church. But I've known him about twenty four years. That's a pretty long time. Amen. I'm only thirty. Imagine since I was six. Amen. We both looked a lot younger then when we met. We both were a lot more athletic. But we're still married to our same wives, Amen. And our wives look better than we did than we did better now than way before. They don't age. They don't age. We age. Our wives just stay the same, Amen. And um, he's a tremendous blessing. He's been pastoring for over thirty years, and I've uh, pastored four churches. Being he's preached in our church in Costa Rica. He's preached all over the world in Africa and different places. And he has a tremendous testimony. If you weren't here last night or Friday night, especially Friday night, and you know somebody who has a messed up life. Anybody know somebody like that? Don't nudge anybody, okay? But you know someone who's got a messed up life. Really just, does anybody know someone that seems like they're kind of impossible? Like you just think they'll never change. Anybody? I know some people like that. I just don't know if they can change. Well, Pastor Marshall was that person. Honestly, I believe that society had written him off. Um, he's been arrested how many times? How many? He said it in his testimony. So he's been arrested 26 more times than me. <laughs> Amen. Thank God. 26 arrests, all kinds of background. Uh, walk into his office and see all the pictures and the mug shots. Because he used to do a ministry called Breakaway. And I used to read them. It's say plaintiff's nose broken in three places, and it was all these different things. And I just thank God that the crime rate went down when Pastor Marshall got saved, amen. And now, though, he, he got miraculous. So and that, on that Friday message, it's not the live stream, but it's on our podcast. Go to our website. Get it and listen to it again and share it with somebody because he, go, he, he shares everything that happened and some real miracles. And then some things that I hadn't even heard, and I've heard his testimony quite a few times. But it'll give it'll give you hope for people that you know that seem impossible to show that it's possible. And last night he preached an amazing message called "When Impossible Meets God." That's the God we serve this morning, Amen. And so I know that He's got a great word for her for us. We're so glad to have His wife with us. Um, she's my sister from another mister. Amen. She's a blessing. Carla and I have a great relationship with them. We've been hanging out all weekend. And uh, he's going to give us something that's going to take us home. I want to say, by the way, again, to all the guests, I know we already said it, but let's let them know again that they're welcome. We're glad that they're here. I see new faces. Amen. 
one of the things that I try to try to do as the, even as the church has grown is I, I, I'm pretty good at looking across the congregation and seeing who's not here and, and texting people and letting people know. And so it's good to see faces I've never seen. It's good to see some faces over here I haven't seen for a lot of years. Amen. Rosie and her family. And uh, I haven't seen those girls since she was a little girl. And I didn't almost recognize her when she came in. Amen. It's good when people come back. Amen. To church. They haven't been for a long time. So <clears throat> let's get our notebooks open. Our Bibles open. How many got your Bibles this morning? Let me see your Bibles. Let's see those Bibles. Amen. Nothing like having that Bible. And let's let Pastor Marshall from Denver, Colorado know one more time that we appreciate him and love him and honor him as he comes to preach God's word this morning. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much. Is my wife in here? Huh? She's up front. What's she doing? She's serving. Amen. I knew she was going to end up in the nursery or somewhere. She wants to be involved. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church. How many rather be in church than in jail? Let me see your hands. Okay, I'm in the right place. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Psalms 3418. I want to minister for a few minutes on broken people reaching broken people. Amen. Psalms chapter 34, starting in verse 18, goes like this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know this one. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things became new or becomes new. You know, many times in Scripture I've noticed that God uses broken things. And any, any, any minister that you ever meet, most of them, I'd say 95% of them, uh, whether he's an evangelist or a pastor, or he's in some type of ministry, are you? They usually have some type of a past, some kind of brokenness, or something that happened to them that got them to the place where they looked up and cried out to God. How many know when people got lots of money and everything's going well for them? Coming to church isn't really in their in the forefront of their thinking, but God has a way of letting us you know, destroy ourselves, basically, that's about what happened to me, for us to start to look up. But God uses broken things. It was God who took Peter in his brokenness when he rejected Christ and denied the Lord and then became one of, one of the most powerful preachers in the New Testament. It was the breaking of the little boy's fish and loaves that God used to feed multitudes of people. And as I was reading through the Word of God, it's inundated with, 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 this, with this theme of brokenness. In Luke 9 and 16, it says, And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed, and he broke them. I, I do, I truly believe that God loves to use broken things. I really do. I think God gets the glory. I think he gets the glory when he can take someone that the world chewed up, spit out, threw out, put him in the dumpster, amen, and then God takes that person. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't fix them. He recreates them, amen, and he, <clears throat> and he transforms them for his glory. And it's an amazing thing to see someone's life change like that. 
Over the years, I've seen so many people, man, that the world, they wouldn't spit on them if they were on fire. Amen. And God took them and transformed them and changed their lives. There was a gentleman that used to come to church years ago. And he, uh, this guy, when he came into the church, he was a little, he was kind of aggressive. He was kind of violent. And he, he used to work at the, uh, the fair. He was a, I forget what they call that when you work at the carnival's. Uh, a carny or whatever they call it. This guy was crazy. He went to prison, and in prison he actually bit a guy's throat out. I mean, he did all these crazy things in his life, and, and he comes to church. He gives his life to Christ, and when he got saved, it was though God had broke him, and he was like a little kid again. And he, and when he would testify and share what God had done from him for him, you wouldn't think he was that person anymore. God has a way of taking broken things, resurrecting them, restoring them. I love Psalms 147.3. He says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I looked at some different uh, statistics about um, addiction. And they say, and these, these figures are probably really low, they say there are 21 million addicted people in this country. They say there are over 21 million depressed people in this country. Those figures are way, 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 way low. Amen? But suicide, they say, is the second leading cause of death in Colorado, where I live. And I read that in 2020, 1.2 million people in the whole United States attempted suicide. 46,000 succeeded. And 70%, listen to this, of all suicides are middle-aged white men. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, in the NIV, Jesus said these words. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the book of Judges, there was a man by the name of Jephthah, and I love this story because this guy is the epitome of brokenness. His mother was a prostitute. His brothers despised him, didn't want him to have any kind of inheritance back then. Uh, when, you, when the father died, he spread the inheritance out uh, among the sons. And, and this particular son, they didn't want to give him one ounce of dirt. They didn't want to give him one dime. They didn't want to give him anything. And uh, they expect, actually, they expelled him from the family, kicked him out, denied him his father's inheritance. He ended up a refugee in a different country. And, and in, in Judges chapter 11, and I want to read this story. It starts in verse 1. It says, After Abimelech there arose to save Israel, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo. How many glad you didn't name your kid Dodo? Amen. A man of Ishakar. He dwelt in Shamar. He judged Israel 23 years and died and was buried. Now, hold up now. Hold up now. That's verse 10. That's why that's not sounding right. Now, Jebshah. It's like dodo. Then Jebshah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor. There we go. He was the son of a harlot, and Gilead begot Jebthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. 
Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out and raided with him. And it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. And Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Don't you guys hate me? You expelled me from my father's house. Why do you come to me when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, This is why we have turned again to you now, and you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over the inhabitants of Gilead. Verse 9. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivers them in to me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord will be witness between us. And he says, If we do not do according to your words. And story goes, he went in there and he whooped them. Amen. You know, God has a way of, I, I truly believe that when a person gives their life to Jesus Christ, despite their past, Despite where you've come from, despite your family history or where you're, where you're from, God can take a person's life, completely transform them, lift them up and use them for his glory. And we've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. People will come into church. You, you know, it, it happens here. People come in and, and they give their lives to Christ. They were bound by drugs. Maybe they went to prison. Maybe they had some kind of uh, something terrible happen in their lives, had four or five different marriages. They come in. They get the revelation of the cross. They get saved. They give their lives to Christ. And God begins to make a change in the heart of that person. God will put his anointing on that person, and God will use them for his glory, no matter how bad that person's life has been. You know, um, there are times, and especially in church, you know, when you come to church, you guys come to church, and you see all these different people in here, and you, you meet people, everybody's smiling, you're all smiling, you're all dressed up, you smell good, you look good, but we don't know what's going on in people's lives. You just don't know. You, know. you don't know what's happening. You don't know the pain. You don't know what they've suffered. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know the mental battles that they're having in their minds. We just don't know. But I can tell you this, in Christianity, what people are looking for when they come to church, I can tell you right now what they want. They want someone who can feel their pain. They want someone that will cry with them. They want someone to, to, to have some empathy with them. That's what church is about. And so when people come in and they come into a church and they walk through those doors, and I remember visiting a couple places that, you know, you, you go in there, and if you're not dressed a certain way, people, they want to toss you out the door, you know, and or, or, or if you don't look a certain way. My wife and I... When we first became interested, I mean, my life was a mess. I shared it uh, the other night. But uh, I knew that I needed a change in my life. I needed God. I needed to find God. I didn't know where to look. And, uh, I mean, I went to a Mormon church, a Jehovah's Witness church. I went to the Catholic church. I, I didn't know where to go. I was all over the place trying to find Jesus. I went in all those places and went in a sinner, came out a sinner. Amen. Nothing changed. And I remember finally one day I told her, I said, let's, let's find a church. And so we found this big, big mega church. It was an all-white mega church, right? 
So we walk in there, man, and, and I remember walking in there. Nobody greeted me. Nobody shook my hand. Nobody talked to me and my wife. And we were looking around, and I was up on the balcony looking down, and we found ourselves looking for anybody that wasn't white. There, were, there was no, 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 there were no minorities whatsoever. And I'm looking, no mixed couples, and I'm like, wow. And then the guy gets up to preach, and he's preaching about some book he wrote. And I walked out discouraged, and I told her, I don't understand. Is this, is church, is this church? Everybody clicks up. They separate. And I said, I know what we got to do. I said, we need to go to a black church because I heard that they're pretty wild. Amen. So we went to a church, what is it, church of God in Christ, right? Only problem was I was the only white dude in there. Amen. But it was more lively. Amen. And I remember going to the altar. I did feel the Holy Ghost. I don't, I don't know if I got saved there because I had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. But I just knew I needed God. And when he, when he was up there calling for an altar call, I went down there. But I walked out discouraged. And I told my wife, I don't understand because we had never been in church. How many ever been there? Never been in church. And so then somebody, I prayed, and somebody knocked on my door from Victory World Outreach. It was Victory Chapel back then. And these guys knocked on my door, and they invited us to church. It took like three or four weeks for us to go, and we finally went. As soon as I walked in the door, you know what I saw? I saw mixed couples everywhere. I saw people of every race. How many know if you got a church and you're in a neighborhood with all kinds of people, you shouldn't be a one-color church? Did you know that there's no such thing as a black church? There's no such thing as a white church or a Spanish church? I, I always get the terminology wrong, you know. The people from Asia... I get that right? Amen. There's no such thing. There's just church. Right? So we walked in, man, and the ushers, I don't understand. Those ushers, they knew. They were strategizing. They saw me, and they said, we're putting this dude on the front row. And they took me, man, and stuck me right up at second, second row. Pastor Jones got up there to preach, and, I, and, and right before he preached, they all started praising God. Everybody had their hands up. They were speaking in tongues. And we were looking around like, What? And my wife said, what are they saying? I said, I think they're speaking Greek and Hebrew. I don't know what they're doing. Amen. And they were praising. They were lifting their hands. But as soon as Pastor Jones got up, I was like, whoa. Amen. I felt like God was talking to me through him. And that service, my wife and I, we got saved. We weren't scared. I, 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 I trip on people that get scared with the Holy Ghost. They're afraid of tongues. They're afraid of miracles. They're afraid of the supernatural. As soon as he said, would you like, the, would you like to, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, is it from God? Yeah, I want it. So me and my wife went down to the altar. They're praying for everybody for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, nobody knows me in there. They don't know I'm facing eight to 16 years in prison. I got, I got all kinds of problems, issues, struggles. I had all, all kinds of things going on. I'm just another believer now. And they pray for my wife. She gets the Holy Ghost. Bam! She's speaking in tongues, crying. And I'm over there, and I'm, you know, all these men came up and laid their hands on me. So I was having a hard time with, with guys touching on me. And so I wasn't really receiving. Amen? I was like, why are all these dudes touching me? Amen? And I didn't get the Holy Ghost. And I, so my wife comes up to me crying. Did you get it? I said, no, I didn't get it. And we're having a conversation right there while pastor's up here talking. Right? And, and I said, go tell that guy I didn't get it. And, and she goes up and she says, could you please pray for my husband? He didn't get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Pastor Jones comes up. In the name of Jesus. I went. 
I was like, I was speaking in tongues. In fact, I didn't stop speaking in tongues. As a matter of fact, I heard somebody standing next to him said, whoa, should I, should I stop him? He goes, no, he needs it. And I just kept speaking in tongues, kept speaking in tongues, kept speaking in tongues. Man, let me tell you something. I needed that. Amen. Because all my life was nothing but brokenness, 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 and failure. Now, God, I couldn't believe that God would give me a gift like that. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, my gosh. In 1973, there was a guy by the name of Charles Colson. He received the, the Templeton Prize for Progress and Religion. He was, actually, he served seven months in prison for obstructing justice. Remember the Watergate cover-up? They said that he was the hatchet man for Nixon. And, uh, but he got saved in prison. His salvation le later led to the founding of the Prison Fellowship in 1976. And this is one of the things that he said. He said, out of tragedy and adversity came bl great blessing. And then he said, I have no idea what my life would have been like if I didn't give my life to Jesus Christ. Totally transformed and turned around. There was another lady I read about. Her name was Christy Yamaguchi. She won the gold medal in figure skating. Think about this for a minute. It was a, quite an accomplishment, a gold medal, right? But she had to overcome some serious physical infirmities. She was born, her legs were, uh, were, were twisted and jacked up, and she had to get some special braces, amen? And, it, and, and really what it was, uh, they got her figure skating because it was part of her therapy, because so she could learn to, to try to walk. Well, she got so good, she won a gold medal in the Olympics, One day a preacher went to the pulpit with a heavy heart. How many preachers know what I'm talking about? And he was a little discouraged because he couldn't get nobody in church to do nothing. People didn't want to go into the ministry. People didn't want to, they didn't want to get involved. And he was discouraged and felt like a failure as a pastor. And, that, and this is after service. He had been in a room. He went by himself to pray. And as he's praying, he felt like somebody was watching. And he turned around. A little kid was there. And the kid came up to him and he said, Pastor, if I work really hard and I steady, he said, do you think one day I could become a preacher? True story. Tears filled his eyes. And he said, yes, I do. I believe God could use you. Amen. That little guy, you, you might not know him, but his name was Robert Moffat. He, he, he later became a missionary in Africa and translated the Bible into some of the local languages of that area. And I could go on and on of different people that God came in and their lives were, were a wreck or they felt like they were a failure or they felt like God couldn't use them or they felt like their life was broken. And God, and when they came to Christ, that something happened on the inside, something transformed. It's like God comes in when you get saved and it's like you feel like you could, you could climb any mountain. I feel like when I first got saved, I used to think I could do anything. Amen. Woo, I was excited, man, to serve God. I'm saved. Hallelujah. I was kind of half saved at first, though. I remember we were in the parking lot, and some dude from, was out in front protesting the church, right? He was out there holding a sign like this, and I, and I was so excited about God. But on the way out, I told him, if you don't get that sign out of here, I'm going to beat you. Amen. Then later, somebody told me, you can't talk like that, man, because you're supposed to be a Christian. I said, okay. I heard of a prayer meeting years ago where a pastor had gone to a prayer meeting. It was being held in a, in a gymnasium, 
And they had broke up into groups around the room and they were praying. There was a mighty move of God happening in that particular area of the country. And as they're praying, uh, uh, when the pastor came in, they pushed him over to one of the meetings. And he said, when I walked over to this particular group of people, the floor was wet. The floor was all wet around the feet of all these young teenagers. And they were weeping and crying and crying out to God. And he said they kept saying this over and over. Lord, break me. Lord, break me. Lord, break me. And it so affected this pastor, man, because he had just come to the prayer meeting. That, that he said, you know, I've prayed, these, I've prayed God deliver me. God heal me. God forgive me. But I've never prayed God break me. There, there, there is something to be said about brokenness. You know, you really can't come to the cross. You really can't come to God unless there is brokenness. And you got a lot of people that come to church that are so full of pride, it's ridiculous. Amen? They don't want people to tell them what to do. They can't be discipled. They can't be, they can't be taught anything because they know everything. But I'm going to tell you what, what, what will draw the Holy Spirit into your life. What, what gets God's attention is brokenness. And sometimes we can't, we're not good at that. We don't know how to be broken. But I can tell you this, if you ask God to break you, he's good at it. It's a dangerous prayer. You know, it's quiet up in here. You know, the 9 o'clock service is a little more lively than you guys. Amen? Tap your neighbor and say, wake up. Listen. Do you know that men put very little value on broken things? When something's broken, men want to throw it away. Broken dishes, broken furniture, broken tools, broken marriages. In Psalms 51, 17, David said, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. God calls all believers, and this may be foreign to some of you, but he calls us to brokenness. Amen? Conversion really is the beginning of a life of brokenness, but God can never really bring a believer to their full potential until there's brokenness. Brokenness is not weakness. Brokenness is strength. Brokenness is enduring wrong without retaliation, and it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brokenness is repaying evil with good. Amen? Brokenness is honoring other people above yourself. One of the things I like to tell our church is, too many people always want the credit for what they do in church. Sometimes it's good to give other people the credit. It's, some, it's good to lift other people up. Let them get the, the, get the credit for things that are done. And you can always tell someone who's, who understands being broken as a Christian, and they're always pushing other people forward. They don't have to get the credit. Brokenness is prompt obedience to the will of God. Because when we refuse to obey God, God, God will allow brokenness in a person's life. Some people will get mad at God and they say, God, why'd you do this to me? You know, God don't do that to you. He allows it. By our own foolish decisions and choices and the things we do, sometimes God will take a step back and let things happen. God has ways, or he, ways of allowing brokenness to change us through things like this. Delays, denials interruptions, mechanical breakdowns, accidents, schedule changes, disappointments. God uses broken things. And in the word of God, it takes broken soil to produce a crop. 
broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength, a broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume, Peter's brokenness and weeping to return with greater power than ever. There's something about brokenness, and I never really understood this, as even when I first became a Christian, but because I, I, I was very prideful, just like a lot of men, amen, and I, you know, men don't want to be broken, men don't want to show emotion, men don't want to cry, men don't want to be like that, we want to fight, amen, or at least most men. When people come into my church, if they're a fighter, if they're, if they're having a tough time, I can deal with that. I can handle that. I enjoy working with men that are like that and allowing God to change them and transform them. It doesn't make them weak. Amen. They just realize who their source is now. They realize the reason they're here is not to go around beating on people. We're going to beat on the devil. Amen. There's a scripture that's found. It's in Psalms 51. Psalms 51, 16. And he says, for you do not desire sacrifice, David said, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Why does God use broken things? Broken people recognize their need for God. And one of the things that I love to tell our people in church is, don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget where you, where you, the hole God dragged you out of, the rock he turned over to find you. Never forget who you are. I don't think any believer should ever stop sharing their testimony of what they were because it's a reminder of what God did, the miracle that he did, what he brought you out of. Look at these two different prayers by these two different people who were supposed to be Christians. This is in Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. In verse 13 it says, And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Brokenness. It's a tough subject for a lot of people. Secondly, God uses broken people to reach broken people. For, for almost 20 years, I did a ministry called Breakaway. It wasn't my idea. I kind of came into it. I fell into this ministry. It was, a, uh, it was an AA, you know, sometimes uh, they, somebody started an, an AA type of meeting at the church. It was like 20 people there. And uh, so in this in this. Pastor Jones came up to me one day. I, I had just come back from pastoring a church, and I was back at our main church. And he says, I don't want to shut that thing down. Why don't you go do something with it? Because he knew that I was kind of like a little wild child, and he knew that I would go in there and do something different, right? I wasn't going to sit in a little circle and talk about my problems. So, I, so he, he sent me in there, and I went in, and I took all the chairs that were in a circle, and I set them up like a church service, Right? And then I got up behind the pulpit and I said, that, that first service, you know, you got all these ex-gangbangers, all these different people in there. And I said, we are going to preach Christ 
preached and him crucified. Amen. They were looking at me like, what? Amen. That service, we cast devils out. We prayed for the sick. Amen. We went to the cross. We asked God to touch people. That ministry started in July 8th, 1980. By, by the mid-2000s, we were running 250 people, bringing them out of prisons and jails and halfway houses. And people were coming in, prostitutes and drug addicts and gangbangers and murderers. We, that ministry wasn't at, during regular church. It was like on a Friday night. We would send out seven vans to go pick them up at all these, all these halfway houses and jails. We had favor with the courts and the judges and all kinds of things. But you can imagine the type of people we had in there. We had rival gangs in there. So there was a couple fights sometimes. There was things that happened in there. But it was exciting. It was, it was super exciting. You never knew what was. Where's Ray Polk? He, held, he, was, he, was, he was one of my sponsors in Breakaway, amen? And we, what we did, we took 50 people who were also used to be broken, and God raised them up. And the ex-drug ex addicts, ex-gangbangers, ex-whatever, and we made them, we called them sponsors or, uh, to help. And we would use these guys, man, to minister to the people at the altars. And that thing exploded. And I realized that people are looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They won't walk into a regular church because they don't think it relates to them. They want to go somewhere where they see other broken people who've been fixed up, and they want to know that they can be, feel accepted rather than rejected. And, you know, in, nine, in 2014, we stopped that ministry, and then uh, in 2017, me and my wife went to Denver, but Pastor Dustin started Breakaway back up again, amen, in Colorado Springs. It's rocking again, man. They're going into halfway houses again, prisons. We used to go into prisons. We went into several Colorado prisons, and I got to tell you, going into the prison, everybody needs to go to prison, I think, amen. I mean, I had so much fun in the jails. You want to know why? It's a captive audience. So the guards would come to us, and they would say, uh, they would come in, and, and there was this one shot hall. They put 200 guys in there, and then all the guards left. Left. And they left me, five foot two, amen. They left me and a couple of my guys and 200 gangbangers, murderers, pedophile. You pick the, pick the crime. They were there. And everybody's like this. They're all tired, uh, looking at each other, right? They're all separated into groups. You know, you got some Crips over here and different other groups over here, and they're all mean and mad. And all we did, all we did was get up and preach the cross. That's all we did. At the, listen to this. At the, when we would pull the altar call, all those tough guys would come down weeping and crying. <laughs> Tears flowing down their face. The gospel works. God uses broken people to reach broken people amen there was a gentleman in that prison his name was roger cullen that i met him there he was he, he committed he committed a murder and got life in prison and but he was always the guy that was in charge of setting everything up from inside the prison he was an inmate in there and so every time that i, I started working with him every time we go in the prison he would set things up and he would always tell me, he said, I believe in God that I'm going to get pardoned one day. I'm going to believe in God I'm going to get pardoned. And he had more faith than I did. I was like, dude, you're in here for life, you know. And uh, I don't know who was president at the time, Obama or somebody. And, and I was like, ain't nobody going to pardon you. In my mind, I'm thinking. But this dude had faith. He trusted God. Do you know something? About five years ago, he did 40 years in prison, 40 straight years. He didn't even kill the person. He was just there when someone else killed him. 
and did, and did 40 straight years. They pardoned him, and he got out of jail. He came to Denver, Colorado, met a woman, called me on the phone, told me he was out, and said, would you be my best man? And I was his best man at his wedding. And, and now, today, <clears throat> he's a pastor. He pastors a church of, about five miles from my church. And I'm going to get him to come and give his testimony because you spend 40 years in prison and then you come out and you're happy-go-lucky, you love the Lord, you're excited. That's a miracle. God takes broken things and he changes and transforms. Can you say amen again? Hallelujah. Here's what he said in 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What's your job? What, what, ultimately, what are you called to do as a Christian? To reach people. We are in the people business. You know that, right? We're not in the car business. We're not, in, we're not selling houses. We're in the people business. We're in the business of reaching people, broken people, beat up people, people who have given up, divorced, drug addicted, mentally ill. We're called to reach people. And one of the prayers I always pray, I say, God, bring the, bring the worst of the worst to our church. God, give me those people that other churches don't want. Give me those people, God, that everybody else just wants them out of their church. One guy, one pastor called the church one day in Colorado Springs, and my wife answered the phone, and he said, uh, you know, we have this, this gentleman at our church, but uh, he, he's not a good fit for us, and we were wondering if we could bring him to your church. And I said, what's wrong with him? And he told me, well, he's bound by drugs and blah, 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 blah. I said, send him on down. Send him on down. Amen. Give me all of them. Amen. Well, I shouldn't have prayed that prayer because now I'm in Denver, Colorado. And Lordy, Lordy, let me tell you about Denver. Hallelujah. I grew up in, in California, but I tell you what, Denver, <laughs> Denver, it's amazing. Hallelujah. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen so many demon-possessed people. I've never seen so many broken people. I've never seen so many people that that have failed over and over and over and over again with no hope, with absolutely no hope, no no reason to want to live, people struggling with just just getting up in the morning to to, want to live life. And they come, and guess what? They hear this gospel message that you and I have, that Jesus saves, Jesus delivers, and Jesus heals, and it's transforming you know, people will always used to tell me when I was doing breakaway, they said, you know, you you in order for your the people that you're using to reach these other people, they have to be able to relate to them. So you got to get people who used to do drugs or people that used to be in prison to help minister. I said, no, I don't because Jesus never did drugs. The apostles never did drugs. Amen. They just preached Christ and him crucified. God knew how to break Peter. God knows how to break you. You know, I ain't got my glasses on. Thank God. But I can see a few, I won't call them smudgy faces. You know what that is? Amen. Let me tell you something. <laughs> right? I see a few people don't like what I'm saying. Amen. But let me tell you something. God knows how to break you. If he's ever going to use your life, there has to be brokenness. 
There's, you got to come to a place where you got nothing. Amen. Where you got nothing because we got nothing. Do you know you're a heartbeat away from standing before God? Why is it when we're young, when we're young, when we're in our teenager, 20s, even 30s, we think we're going to live forever? Why is that? Why do we go do these crazy things and get involved in things that are, that are you know, life-threatening before we're saved? We do all these stupid things. But you're a breath away from standing before God. And if you stood before God and he said to you, you know, uh, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? You see what I'm saying? What would you say? And so in order to, in order to make any kind of impact, in order to, to fulfill any potential that you have in God, there has to be brokenness. And I know that's very difficult to talk about, but I can tell you this. God uses broken people to reach broken people. And I'm not saying you're groveling on the ground. What I'm saying, there is a humility that's missing in the church today. There is a humility that's missing. We're nothing. We're nothing, amen, without God. With God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With God, I'm the head and not the tail. With God, I'm above and not below. With God, I, I'm the, I am the... You know, you know what broken people are? Broken people become trophies of God's grace. They're a trophy of God's grace. And I can tell you this, there's some trophies in this room. You know, sometimes you don't think that, but you're a trophy, man. God, if he came down right now, he'd say, look at my, look at my servant. Amen. Look at his life or look at her life. Look what I've done in their lives. You're a trophy, man. Discouragement, depression, that should be the farthest thing away from any Christian. That should be on the opposite spectrum of where you're at. We're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. When I talk to people and they're beat up and broken and addicted or whatever, I talk to them with a joy because I know that I can see what God could do in their lives. I want them to know that the same God who changed me can change them. The same God who delivered me can deliver them. The same God who put joy in my heart could put joy in their heart. The demoniac of the Gadarenes, if you know the story, had a legion of demons. Jesus ministered to the guy. And, he, and the Bible says he was clothed and in his right mind. Here's a guy, man, who was jaybird naked running around a graveyard. And everybody in the city was scared to death of him because he would run around cutting himself with stones and, and yelling and screaming and talking crazy. And he, God delivers him, sets him free. And the Bible says he's sitting and clothed in his right mind. And the first thing he says to Jesus when he's sober now and, and in his right mind is, can I go with you? And Jesus said, no, go tell your friends and your family what God did for you. Do you know that's your job? And what did the Bible say? He went his way, proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things God had done for him. God made him a preacher. The woman at the well married five times. Now she's living with a dude. Amen. And she got, a, she got an encounter. She had an encounter with God. Amen. And she took off into the city and said, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did. Here's a woman who would never go out in public because she was so embarrassed. She had to come to the well, amen, when the other women weren't there because she was ashamed that she had been married five times and she was living with some guy. It was That culture back then looked frowned on it a lot more than this one should, amen. And here she is, man. She, she, she runs into the city and she said, come see a man who, who told me all things I ever did. In verse 39 of, of John 
chapter 4, she said, and many of the Samaritans in that city believed in him because of the woman, because of that broken woman. I got to tell you, man, God uses broken people, and I'm here to encourage you. Whatever you've been through, wherever you've been, whatever you've gone through, I know that sometimes because of our past, we, get, we carry a lot of things. We do. We carry a lot of things. And even though we get saved, we kind of don't let those things go. You know, people say things about us when you're growing up. They ever said things to you, you're worthless, you're a liar, you're ugly, you're this, you're that. People say things that are hurtful to each other. And we carry those things. And I've met people that were still struggling, older people. Older people, seasoned people, they're still struggling with the things that people said to them from their past. You see, at the cross, there is freedom. And when, it's, when I say freedom, I mean complete freedom. Not just freedom from drug addiction and all the other things we struggle with in life, but in mentally, spiritually. Because the Bible says you're a child of God. If you're a child of God, amen, you're not any of the things that they said about you. Those things mean absolutely nothing. You're a child of the king. And when you stand before God, you're going to stand before God as a child of the king. You're none of those things that they said. You young people, people say things about you guys all the time. At school, I cannot believe the way people talk at school anymore. Amen? I mean, I'm blown away by the things people say to each other. It hurts, ki- it hurts these kids. You wonder why some kids grow up and they're so quiet and, 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 they're, and they're just kind of, it's like something happened, something snapped them and they were, they were broken because of things that people said to them, the way they treated them, bullying. When I was a kid, people tried to bully me, but I was just too mean, amen, and I'd bully them later back, amen. But I, I know there's a lot of people that get bullied, man, and I can tell you this, they come into church, they look normal, they've got jobs, they've got families, they, they, they're married, they're, they got kids, but there's something about their personality, man, that is messed up, and God wants to come and He wants to restore, He wants to put back in place those things that were broken, because broken people minister and reach broken people. had a gentleman and his girlfriend come to church years ago and I was ministering on marriage we were talking about marriage and um, this was his first time in church he was actually a a a crip he was a leader of a group uh, in Denver a crip and his his girlfriend that he was with was a stripper and uh, so they came to church. You don't know nothing about people. You know, you don't know anything about people when they're sitting there. And while I'm ministering, he raises his hand because he had never been in church. He thought he could ask questions. And so one of the ushers came up and took him out the back to talk to him. When he got outside, he was weeping. And he said, he said this. He said, he said, I didn't know that it was wrong that I, that I couldn't get, that I had need to get married. He said, you think that preacher will marry me in this and her? I want to get married. And he said, he probably would. When do you want to get married? He goes, now. So he comes back in. The ushers are in the back waving at me. And I said, what? And he said, he said, he said, they came up and told me this guy wants to get married. I said, he don't got a license. And then all of a sudden I got it. That's okay. We'll get the license tomorrow. So he came up there, man. I married him right there in the service. Got the license the next day. I know that's illegal, but we did it anyway.
You know, I love it when God brings people to church that have a past. Don't you? Amen. Don't you love seeing people come to an altar, give their lives to Christ, and then see that slow transformation that begins to happen in their lives? Amen. Where that confidence, that, that zeal, that fire. Teen, young people, you guys should be so blessed and, and encouraged to have so many young people in this church that want to do something for God. That's a, this is a tough generation of young people. It, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. In Denver, I'm struggling to get young people in our church. I get them in, then they go out, they go right back out. They get them in, they go right back out. The, the teenagers in my neighborhood get shot and killed all the time. There's shootings in, my, in the neighborhood where the church is all the time. Uh, I've had two kids in my church shot. And, and, and so these kids, man, they've got this mindset, man, that they're never going to get out of this neighborhood. They're never going to get out of this lifestyle. And all we do is we just present the gospel and tell them, yes, you can. If any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And I'm here to tell you, God uses broken people to reach broken people. Amen. It's hot in here. Amen. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these precious people. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for all these young people. What a tremendous, tremendous blessing, God. Lord, I prayed this, this morning that not a single person within the sound of my voice is going to leave this this room or leave this sanctuary the same that they came in father i pray that every single person who doesn't know you right now is going to come to know you that's going to walk out change walk out transformed for the glory of god all over this place if you've never made a decision for jesus you've never been saved you know of god you just don't know him and that was my problem i didn't know him i knew of him but i didn't know him or maybe you're here and you're backslidden away from God. You turned your back on God. Somehow something happened. Somebody, somebody hurt you. Somebody said something and you walked away from your faith. Now you find yourself in church and the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. He's tugging on your heart. He's saying, come home, son or daughter. Come home. It's time to come home. All over this place with nobody looking around. If, you, if you're away from God, you're not saved and you want to know the Lord, you want to be saved? Just hold your hand up. Wave it at me and say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I need to know Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to come back to Christ. Come on, quickly. Hold it up. Put it right back down. Hold them up high. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Who else? Hold them up. Front, back, sides. You got to hold them high so I could see them. Amen. God bless you, sister. How many others? You know, don't worry about who you're with. Who cares who, what, what they think? This is between you and God. It's between you and the Lord. How many others? Hold them up. Put them right back down. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All those that, now I know this is going to take some courage. It's going to take some courage to do this, but, but you got it in you. If you raise your hand, several hands went up. If you raise your hand, to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step of faith. 
Stand to your feet and come meet me down here at this altar. Don't stay there. Come on, you to come. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. How you doing? God bless you. Amen. How you doing? You know, you know, one of the most one of the most broken people that I've ever known in my life was my mother. She was married like six times. And she she lived a very, very rough life. Very, very she was beat up by men constantly. Always always just very rough past. And I remember toward the begin toward the end of her life she got very sick. And uh, I and she was in the uh, nursing home hospital type of thing, and I w- I would go see her all the time. I would see her all week long. I was always there with her, talking to her. And my mom could cuss and make a truck driver cry. She was like that. She was the little bitty redhead, amen. About four foot eleven, but she'll fight you, man. And you know, at the end of her life, man, all these years I've been talking to her about the Lord, telling her about Jesus, you know. And my mom, she she eventually broke down. And I prayed with her, and she gave her life to the Lord. Amen. And she passed and went to be with Jesus. And all that brokenness, psh, gone. Gone. Amen. You know what? I got to tell you, you, this church, something. God's going to fill this place up with broken people. God's going to start. There's going to be some people that are going to come in here, man. And it, it's going to shock you that what they've been through. But God's going to bring him here because he knows you, you guys can handle it. He's going to bring him in here and fill this place up. You guys might. Who does your breakaway? Come here. <clears throat> Come here. You see this brother right here? God's going to use this man. Amen. God's going to use it. But you know what? You have a lot of work. He needs workers. That's the thing. He needs people to help him. Is there any ex-broken people in here that, amen, okay, he needs help. I needed help with all those people I was dealing with. He needs help. And you know what? You ought to pray about it. It doesn't take anything. Just having a heart for people, love people. Love people. That's all you got to want to do is love people. And there's all kinds of doors. God could open up all kinds of doors for this church. We were in all kinds of facilities. We were in so many different jails and halfway houses and and places. It was mind-blowing. But people are looking for hope. They're looking for answers, man. And they're they're hurting. Sitting in a halfway house is a terrible thing. I've been in those. You're sitting in there. You don't think you have any hope. You don't think anybody cares. You know, am I ever going to get out of this lifestyle? Am I ever going to change? This is the man to come talk to right here. Okay, stay right here because they're going to come talk to you in a minute. All right, we're going to pray. Y'all ready? We're going to pray. You guys going to help us pray? Let's pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your precious blood for me. Please forgive me all my sins. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior.
from this moment forward, I belong to you. And you belong to me. And I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Come on.